you never know what's going on in somebody else's head mm-hmm. and where they're at and what scenarios they're in. So, but yeah, that's just a it happened to me. Side note: months ago, I was driving. I I don't know if I actually cut this person off. I did something. Maybe I wasn't paying as much attention. Maybe I was an autopilot, right? Probably listen. This to a person podcast. came up next to me and was losing his mind. Now, the old me. Yeah, you're like Ugh. when I get out of a car and people see tattoos. They usually think, especially I don't know you, how this spe- is going to go, but if it goes bad, it's going to go bad. Especially when you get out of the car, rip it off your shirt. Uh-huh. Right. You know what I mean? Like when I get out of the car aggressive, most people go, uh-oh. Yeah. Right. And it, ca- it can cause a fight. Yeah. Instead, I pulled up next to the guy. I rolled down my window. He rolled down his window and I just said, sir, are you okay? In what tone did you say that? Though? I said, are you okay? <laughs> okay. And he I- looked at me and he said, what? And I said, I don't know if I've upset you or if you're just having a bad day. If I've upset you, I'm sorry, but are you okay? Because you clearly seem upset. And everything changed. Are we ready? Yep. (laughs) Stupid ass fucking people. How I look. Hi, look, Chris. Amazing. <laughs> Welcome to the show, baby. Welcome to Talk Hard Podcast. We are live in Brooklyn, baby. We are in Brooklyn. <sighs> I'm going to quit doing that. Where is my private jet? Because uh, I don't remember going on oh, this got, thing. We got on an Uber helicopter. Yeah, real thing, real thing. Anyway, welcome to the show, guys. We got a great show. I am going. I actually know what we're talking about for once, guys. So that, that's <laughs> that's a that's a switch. That's a change of events, right? So we are we are going. We got a great show for you. Every it's, now and then, you have to feed the dog. <laughs> Light shines on dogs, booty once in a while. Just saying. No, uh, guys, if you're in recovery, you're going to want to stick around. If you're thinking about getting in recovery, you're going to want to stick around. And if you're not in recovery, you're going to want to think about getting in recovery. (laughs) No, stick around regardless. One of the greatest (laughs) things I ever heard when it came to recovery is I feel like everybody should work the 12 steps. 100%. If I was king. I don't care who you are. You're addicted to something. If I was king of this planet, it would be everybody (laughs) in the planet would work a 12-step program. So I'm running for president, and my main political speech is that we are doing a nationwide 12-step program. Starting in high school. I'm going to run for king. That's next, right? Jesus. Huh? Huh? Give this dude a crown one time. All right. All right. All <laughs> crown, right. You gave me a crown royal one time. Yep. I thought I was a king. Yep. Uh, anyway, guys, so we got a great show. But if you're not subscribed to this channel, please don't like, be an idiot. Like, subscribe, share this with your friends. Share us out, man. This isn't just for entertainment. Sure, we're entertaining. You're welcome. This is what we do. However, there is some educational value in this. Like, we bring real-life experience to the situation, and we're willing to be open and honest about it. And, hey, you know what I like to say? Let's Let's talk talk about about it. it. Boy, that was on cue. (laughs) Boom. Oh, you think that was planned, but it wasn't. Nope, that's how good we are. Absolutely. No, so we're going to talk about recovery today, man. We're going to talk about some things that, you know, getting into early recovery and what it takes and what it looks like and how what you should and shouldn't do kind of things. You know, um, you asked me a question about sponsorship. One of the key factors to recovery. Well, there's... Being a sponsee and learning how to be the appropriate sponsor. Well, don't 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 pee off all of the people out here who uh, don't really want to work a program. They just want to stay sober. Look, if you don't want to work a program, then you're absolutely on the wrong channel because we're here for the truth. We're here for reality. We're here for how life and recovery and how things really work, not this media-navigated BS version of it. This is well, the truth. This well, is how it actually works. Well, the, the truth is, the truth is, if you're an addict or an alcoholic anywhere near the stature that I am, that you are, that Chris Corn off the Cobb is, then 
there is simply, I'm going to tell you this right now, there's no other way to do it. You have to work some sort of a program. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, and, and for people like myself, it's not like we get to work a program and then we're cured and we're done and one and done. And I, I did that. I, I, I went through treatment. I went through therapy. I, I'm good now. That That is the pitfall of every person in recovery right there. You know, um, unfortunately, the great news is you cannot do this alone. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, the... The bad news is you cannot do this alone. The good news is you don't have to. There's there's millions of us. There's 30, 30, let's just say there's 30 million people in recovery in America right now, right? And these are, the thing about recovery, the, one of the main things about recovery is you get, you have to, you have to be around a group of peers. You have to be around a community. You're in a community when you're in addiction, right? You're in a community, whether it be alcoholism, you're in, your community is the bar. Your community is all your buddies in your garage on Friday night. You know, mm-hmm. you have a community of people when you're in that state of mind. So you absolutely need a community of people, of peers, of people who have been through the things that you have been through and going through them and continue to grow through those things in order to have, because iron sharpens iron, right? Mm-hmm. Like you cannot, you, you, people, us in early recovery or thinking about getting in recovery, we have one of the major problems with all of us is ego. Mm-hmm. We don't want to ask for help. I don't care if you're in recovery or not. Everybody in this has <laughs> got a problem with their ego. All right. So everyone in America has a problem with the ego, We're right? We're just more honest about it. We we become more honest, We right? just have to be honest We get humbled. Like, yeah. We get humbled. and Our ego smacks us in the face a lot more than others. <laughs> do yeah yeah no we get humbled through you know several different things right we get humbled we wake up in the jail cell and we our ego gets us in more legal and debilitating trouble than others some people just get punched in the face we get metaphorically physically emotionally and other punched in the face and in the back and kicked while you're down and dragged through the mud and then picked back up just so they could hit you one more time (laughs) and then it's like watching that fight that you don't really want to watch but you can't stop watching at the same time because you're like that's got to hurt, that's, but I just got to see what else is going to happen kind of a thing. That's going to leave a mark. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's 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 about developing, you know, the, the first, the, the only thing you have to change in recovery is everything, right? I, I did. I, you know, I could speak on me, and I, I, I like to speak on other people and say this is a truth. This is a truth across the board that the only thing you got to change is everything about yourself if if you're as bad as I was. But I want to put this into one word to make this simple on people when they're like, everything. You mean I got to change my diet? I got to, like, mm, your okay. willingness, your willingness to accept. So willingness, acceptance, right? I believe yeah. they're both technically the same thing. You okay. have to have a willingness to be open, to be able to accept criticism at the same time, take advice at the same time, understand that you don't know everything that you think you knew because what got you here is why you're here. And it's not going to get you where you want to go. Yeah. What got you here won't get you there kind there, of situation. There's, there's an acronym called how, right? Mm-hmm. It's the words, how it's honest, open-minded and willing. Exactly. Open-minded and willing mm-hmm. because we come into recovery, <clears throat> you know, whether we're forced by the judge, by our wives, by our husbands, mm-hmm. by the family, whatever we, we come in and, and, you know, ego is a huge problem. We, we suffer from irritable, restless and discontent. You know, we, we have years of street um, knowledge and all these things that we think we know. And to look at something and say, you know, what I have to hum- I have to be humbled or humble myself and I have to surrender to the fact that I don't know how to live life I don't know how to behave I don't know how to make a good decision because everything that I thought I knew got me in the place where I am today mm-hmm. which is you know 
you know, I don't know, it, it varies from everybody, whether it's in jail, DCS in your life, losing jobs, in toxic relationships, all these plethora of things mm-hmm. that comes with addiction, the lifestyle of addiction. You have to come to a point in your life where, oh my God, this hurts, right? And there's two types of pain, the pain that hurts and the pain that changes you. And unfortunately, it's the pain that changes you that before people realize, okay, I got to make some changes. Here's one thing that I want to, you say this in this just instant, like just memory latches to my brain where just because the physical part of the pain may have become normalized to you doesn't mean it doesn't still exist. And what I want people to understand is that is one of the most dangerous things on the planet. So the people that have gotten adjusted to the pain, because I've heard so many people say, I just don't want to feel anymore. And what I would like people to understand is that when you stop feeling your body starts dying. Yeah. Because it no longer can accept what is happening and you can't see the things that you need to change and you your body's left with no choice but to die at that point. So it starts to die the minute you stop feeling. Yeah. Because you that's those are the red flags like ow don't touch that it's hot. If you lost all the feelings in your hand and you kept touching hot stuff it would get <laughs> infected, it would crawl through your bloodstream like that's how it's the same thing in like a simple format. Yeah, emotional pain all You can't of it, right? get used to pain. You have to be okay with pain and deal with pain, but you never just become numb to it if you want to live a healthy and abundant life. It's the pain that makes you happy about the times when you're not feeling the pain. It's balanced. Unfortunately... That's what we seek, mm-hmm. right? So whether it's, you know, I was, an, I tell people all the time, I was, a, I was a drug addict long before I ever took my first drug. Mm-hmm. I suffered from the basic core behavior problems, mm-hmm. the irritable, the restless, the discontent, the not ever fitting in with anybody and not feeling really like honestly not feeling comfortable in my own skin and never mm-hmm. really fitting. Not, I just never clicked with anything or mm-hmm. anyone or awkwardness and just all that you know self-worth problems right until when this happened about nine years old until i took my first drink Mm -hmm. right and then suddenly i had found my cure for all those things i just mentioned i remember i was 12 and the, the crazy thing was was the reason i got high was my brain was racing and I couldn't shut it up. Mm-hmm. What I didn't understand because I was very young is that's a high intelligence factor because most highly intelligent people cannot stop the brain activity that is going on. Yeah. Now I don't ever want my brain to shut up and I no. kind of don't like the quiet because I have embraced the hyperactivity that comes with this crazy amount of thinking. I just had to learn how to control it. That's the thing about ADD. People look down so much on ADD and you prescribe your kids medications for this. You have a kid with a gift. And, and, and you know, most ADD that has become um, mainstream clinical is untreated trauma. Okay, your brain is going to race, right? Because you're highly intelligent, you that highly is, functioning too, very high functioning. When you introduce trauma into it, the trauma takes over a lot of the good active thoughts and just becomes a part of that psycho cybernetic loop. And it becomes negative. It becomes where you can't focus on anything because the negativity is overpowering your actual intelligence factor. Gotcha. And so research has shown that a lot of children specifically that struggle with ADD are struggling to get the negativity out of their brain and it, they can't focus on anything else because negative thoughts are seven to 10 times more powerful than well, a positive one. Well, what gets me is a lot of kids struggle with 
I hate, I, I'll throw the, the air quotes in the air, struggle with ADD, and it's not negative. No. They just can't sit still. Right. They can't, they can't stop thinking. They can't stop playing. They can't stop doing things. And I think, man, if we could just embrace that, like that kid's going to grow up to be something great. The kid just know? has nothing to focus on. Right, exactly. They're lost, and it's because the parents aren't taking the active step for to a, say. For a kid to sit saying, in the classroom. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, man, I hated school. God, I hated school, too. That's why <laughs> I dropped out. <laughs> I was like, lady, you lost me on page two because right. I feel like I've already read the book. I know the ending. I know what's going on. You don't got to finish this for me. Why right. are you still talking? Yeah. Now I'm going to dance in my seat. Right. <laughs> like I, had, I was like, I already got most of this stuff figured out just because I understand the basics of life. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so, you know, after, you know, that's the thing. We, we, we find out and, and listen, man, everybody, uh, you know, and please don't quote me on this, but everybody tries drugs. It's like kids experiment. Like nowadays it's more than ever. Right. And the only difference between me and, and Johnny down the road is, is I had a predisposition maybe, mm-hmm. right. That's possible. Mm-hmm. I had an environment maybe that was different. Mm-hmm. I had the irritable, restless and discontent nature of my life. Mm-hmm. I was unfit. I was un, I was just not unsettled in, in where I am and how I felt and the way I felt about myself and then I found drugs and alcohol and then suddenly I'd found the cure for my for for all the thing all those things right I suddenly felt good it's just like I don't know if you remember this man you had a rough day at work and you stop at the bar and you fill up your glass with some Jack Daniels Mm -hmm. and you take that first sip and not necessarily a sip because we're Mm -hmm. alcoholics but you take that first drink Mm -hmm. and you set that glass down and you're just like Mm -hmm. that was what I needed my whole life you felt like it quenched your thirst and it just it quenched it my quenched emotions. your thirst for sure it was just <laughs> not the thirst that involves you actually being on some level of yeah yeah you know like it's that's it, not the same thirst but it, you, that's the same like euphoria yeah it just it, okay everything is okay yeah everything is finally okay and that's what i chased i needed to feel okay mm-hmm. right and that's the problem with you know why addiction so rampant in our country? One, because drugs are readily available and dangerous, and dangerous, right? And 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 it's becoming it's it's so normalized to use drugs and, and with these kids with the pot, with the coke, with the you know heroin and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Now, it's so normalized, but you know, it's escapism at its finest. It's you're having a rough day, you're having a rough life, you're having a rough, you know, you're in college or in high school, you're getting picked on, and then suddenly you find something that makes you forget all that. That's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. So regardless, if Johnny down the road did did a bump of cocaine and I did a bump of cocaine and he went on about his merry life, mm-hmm. I suddenly had found the cure for all my problems, mm-hmm. right? So I now I'm chasing that every day in my life. Yeah. But... To get onto the subject, I reckon, you know, it's what what to do, what not to do, what to look for, what to be afraid of in early recovery. So we taught, we were 12-steppers. Mm-hmm. We, you know, and 12-steppers, for those who don't know, is the, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, uh, Coke Anonymous method. They got all the anonymous mm-hmm. now, right? Uh, my name is Marty Norman, and I am not anonymous, but I do work in an anonymous program. I work a 12-step abstinence-based program, one of which because I needed that hardcore punch you in the face, like accountability. I, my sponsor is an ass, right? My, he is, he's an, he's, he's not no 
He's not going to co-sign any of my BS. Mm-hmm. He's not going to soft pat me on the butt. when I, He's going to call me out. He's going to say, bro, what the hell are you doing? And he's right. going to make me look at things that I don't want to look at. And he's right. going to make me write. And he's going to make me go to journal. He's going to make me journal. And he's going to make me go to uh, do step work. You know, I don't feel like I come up with a thousand reasons not to sit down and put pen to paper. And he's going to call me and say, look, man, what are you doing? Where are you at? Where's it going? Okay, tell me about it. Where are you, where are you at in the book? Are you reading? What mm-hmm. page are you on? Okay, yep. he was on... Two pages yesterday. You only so you only read two pages today. Right. Okay, that's not good. Let's get it going. Right. You know, you're, how many means you go to this week? You know, and that's what I needed. I need somebody to push me and tell me when I'm messing up and not co-sign me because I can I can I can just ride on forever. I talked about it in the last show about stepping on people's toes and not being aware of it. Mm-hmm. I can just continue to go in this behavior and 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 you know not not necessarily in the spiritual realm that I want to be in. Without somebody calling me out. We make the abnormal normal. You know, I need accountability people, yeah. right? I need people. I got you. Mm-hmm. You know, I got you. You call me out on shit all the time, right? And I have to, you know, being humbled, and sometimes I have to re-humble myself daily mm-hmm. and saying, okay, that stinged a little bit, but yeah. I got to take a look at that. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's the importance of having accountability brothers. And that's the importance of going to a meeting. If you're looking for a sponsor and I've, you had a call, mm-hmm. I've get calls mm-hmm. like, Hey, how do I find a sponsor? Well, first off, go to meetings. How did you find drugs? <laughs> you wouldn't seek them out. Yeah. Right. And, that, and we tell people that all the time. Like if you would do, if you would work half as hard in your recovery as you did in your addiction, you would be golden. If you treat your recovery in the same energy force as you treated your addiction, you were no, I'm saying if you actually went all yeah balls of the wall like you did with your like I'm willing to drive in snow at three o'clock in the morning with not enough gas for sure, but I'm gonna find a way or make sure I'm going downhill on the way home so I make it back. Been there. So you, that's I know. Trust me, I it didn't even snow in California, but I dealt with plenty of my own interesting situations, yeah, right? Yeah. Where it was, I was willing to do whatever it took. Yeah. To go feel normal, like I wasn't even getting high at that point. Yeah. When I was sober, I felt high because it was just everything was backwards at that point. Yeah. So I know what I was willing to do at that point, and I know that the advice I got was, you know, you can treat it halfway, and I'm like, no, I'm still an addict, so I'm going to treat it just as hard. Half measures. I'm going to become nothing. just as addicted to my recovery and myself as I was to that thing that I was trying to escape. Mm-hmm. And when you can get in that space and embrace it and learn to live in it, and just you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because 100%. it's not that bad. You make it so much worse in your head than it really is, and I have proven this to people. Time and time and time again, they will jump the gun and I'll say, stop, let's live in this space. I want you to tell me all of the outcomes that are going on in your head. And then I'm going to ask the you, scenarios. I'm going to ask you one question all right. and it's two letters or, and let's go to the other side. <laughs> what else is possible? And when we went to this side and we started walking down this lane where it was the other side of the, or not the negative, but the positive, because they're both there. That person's whole entire perspective changed. Yeah. And the, I have been wrong so many times in so many situations and not giving myself credit for it. I just felt like, whew, escaped that one. Not, well, I was wrong, and I need to accept that I was wrong. I didn't actually know what was going to happen, and I need to celebrate that and acknowledge it so that I can look for the or factor. What if it worked? Right. You know? Our addict mentality is always, it's not going to work. Of course, this, this won't work. It's the I'm it's the worst fail. case scenario in every situation, I'm and you wonder why fail. it happens, even though most of the time it actually doesn't. Yeah. You just take that as a whoo, 
got past that, like, you know, like skin of my teeth kind of a situation, or you just were flat out incorrect in the situation. Yeah. My or is another or opposite reality. That is my or. It's what you're thinking, go to the other side, complete opposite. Yeah. And let's just explore. And a lot of times they're like, well, I don't know. Well, imagine if you did. And here's the thing. You know, you wanted to talk about sponsorship. Yeah. That's a sponsor's job. A sponsor's job, you're faced with a situation or a decision you're making. A sponsor's going to tell you to sit down, write the pros and cons. Yep. You know, that's the Let's make a list. Yeah. The pros of this, the the cons of this. And, you know, we as addicts and alcoholics, we're always just waiting for the shoe to drop, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe I'm alone. I don't know. I don't, I've talked to too many people who feel the same way as me. Like we're always waiting for the shoe to drop and we're always living in that that, uh, negative Mm headspace. Like I told you on like several episodes ago, like it's no surprise. I feel the way I feel sometimes if I was to be, really aware of all the negative scenarios that play in my head on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. Because they are rampant. And sometimes I just got to sit back and say, oh man, where am I at? Where am I at right now? Holy mm-hmm. shit. And, and that's what, it, that's what having brothers and sisters in your life and, and a sponsor is, is there is to, is to like bring you back to reality. Be like, well, what if, what my if? question to every single person? Cause I, the, the, the most important question I ever asked myself was, how are these thoughts serving you today? Okay. Because I lived there where it was always just waiting for that bad thing to happen because I attached my whole life to all of my problems and none of my success. We don't do that. Do and there we? was a moment in time when we I was sitting with my wife and I was driving to my brother's house and she goes, do you not realize where you are compared to where you were? High class problems. Like, what are you talking about right now? Why are you waiting for the other shoe to drop and not acknowledging the fact that you moved here making damn near minimum wage? You've completely turned your life around. You found the woman of your life. Mm. You are leading people. You are changing lives on a regular basis. And you don't even know what that minimum wage looked like. I went from, like, wondering if I could get gas in my tank to not even looking at my bank account. Or my gas tank a lot. Or my gas. Like, I just go. I don't look at gas price. I don't look at prices on most stuff. I don't either. I just go do what I need to do. And I never acknowledge. Like, you got to celebrate yourself. I'm I'm bad at that. Most people are. Yeah, I'm bad. The simplest way to do that is to get awkward with yourself. Give yourself a high five in the morning. I know. You talked about that. I keep telling people you got to do this. And they're like, why? And you just... I don't care who you are. If somebody looks pissed off and you walk by them, even on the street, and you throw up your hand and give them a high five, it'll change their demeanor. I talk about that a lot. In a different, I challenge in, people to in try a, it. In a different scenario, like I, I encourage people to like to be aware of mm-hmm. people around them. Like mm-hmm. in a gas station, in a grocery store, just just say hi. How you yeah. doing? And genuine, genuine. I can't say the word. Genuinely, genuinely. Yep. Thank you, you, Jesus. Right here on the show, yeah. <laughs> and, and really care about what they're going to say, you know, and really listen to it because you could change. You know, you never know what's going on in somebody else's mm-hmm. head and where they're at and what scenarios they're in. So, but yeah, that's just a. It happened to me. Side note: months ago, I was driving. I I don't know if I actually cut this person off. I did something that pissed them off. I wasn't. Maybe I wasn't paying as much attention. Maybe I was an autopilot, right? Probably listen. This to person a came up next to me and was losing his. Mind now, the old me, yeah. You're like, Ugh. when I get out of a car and people see tattoos, they usually think, especially I don't when know you, how this spe- is gonna go, but if it goes bad, it's gonna go bad, especially when you get out of the car, rip it off your shirt, huh? right? You know what I mean? Like, when I get out of the car aggressive, most people go, uh oh, 
yeah. right? And it, ca- it can cause a fight. Yeah. Instead, I pulled up next to the guy. I rolled down my window. He rolled down his window, and I just said, sir, are you okay? And Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Stop, 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 stop. In what tone did you say that? I on? said, are you okay? <laughs> okay. And he I- looked at me, and he said, what? And I said, <laughs> I don't know if I've upset you or if you're just having a bad day. If I've upset you, I'm sorry, but are you okay? Because you clearly seem upset. And everything changed. Yeah, man, I'm just in a hurry, and you didn't seem like you were paying attention, and you might be right. I really am not aware, so clearly I wasn't paying attention. I just want to know if you're okay. You may be right. And he just rolled up his window and was like, all right, man, all right, and everything changed. (laughs) Everything de-escalated. By me just saying to him, instead of F you and let's get out of the car, pull over, let's see who's got bigger nuts today. Yeah. Just, are you okay? Because you don't know me at all, That's so you can't stuff. be mad at me because you don't actually know me. Yeah. If you knew me, you knew that anything that was a mistake was just that. I just wasn't staying in my lane, clearly. Actually, with the car. <laughs> like, I wasn't doing what I could have <laughs> done better. Actuality. And it may have been nothing. You know what I mean? Like, people, we, we, we instantly jump to this defense mechanism, and I, now I'm, I'm going to show you who I am, and I've got something to prove. That's ego. Uh, and that's you're only what, trying to prove something to yourself. Uh, and really, the only person you're hurting is yourself. Absolutely. You, that. you know, it's, it's you know, the I could go down a scenario of the old saying, but really, man, anytime you metaphorically hit somebody in the face or talk bad about somebody or else. Or literally. Or literally. <laughs> right. You, anytime you do any of those things about other people, you're really just hurting yourself. Because it's going to come back and... It's going to come back and somebody resenting you, somebody disliking you, somebody talking bad about you. It's really just hurting you. And if you do actually punch somebody in the face, you're the one going to get in trouble for it, right? I have unfortunately been in probably too many fights in my life in reality with just the way I grew up. Mm -hmm. When I looked back and was reflecting on them like a year ago, none of them felt good when I was done. Mm -hmm. Even the one that like somebody hurt somebody I knew and I was like, it's on and I'm going to, this is going to feel good. Yeah. The minute I hit, my stomach dropped, I felt like crap, and I thought, oh, shoot, what have I just done? What have I done? I knew in my head I could beat the person up, so I had nothing to prove. Mm -hmm. I was defending someone, thinking I was doing the right thing, and then thinking to myself, what just happened? Nothing in reality, as I've now justified that person's action by serving them with a reaction. The greatest action you can take to somebody else when they're in a situation is no action at all. Not even acknowledging the situation. And if you're going to acknowledge the situation like I did, acknowledge it with some form of understanding. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? I want to get into things to be aware of. Yes. Right? Please. Because when you're in recovery, <clears throat> now there's this new wave of uh, recovery these days. And I want to stay opening statement to this is I'm not against you if you're on MATs, right? Okay. Yep. I, 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 all pathways, whatever it takes to save your life, whatever it takes to make you a better person. Can I say one thing? Yes. It's called assisted therapy. <laughs> Medically assisted Unless therapy. Unless you want to have an assistant for the rest of your life. It's there to serve a purpose, and I am all for that. It's a very short purpose, and that's how I believe all medications should be. Agreed. Agreed, but then again, I don't want these people out here who are on methadone or Suboxone to feel like I'm against them because I'm not. You know, whatever it is, if it's going to get you to, I believe in, I'm an absence-based person. I like to have my free head. I don't like being addicted to something. I don't like being a slave to the government's drug, right? Okay. And, and, and this... 
the Suboxone and even methadone far worse is the world's most physically addictive drug. They, I, I believe personally, like, oh, so, so Oxycontin, right? So Oxycontin, this is a conspiracy theorist. Got it. Uh, so Oxycontin came out and their whole thing was they was trying to make, um, they were trying to make painkillers, right? That were non-addictive. I was like, hold on. They weren't trying. They were making painkillers. <laughs> they, I mean, that was the whole, that yep, was like yep. the whole charade, yep, right? Yep. To, to sell this as a non-addictive painkiller, right? Which was complete and utter BS, right? We all know that. We all knew it then. We all know it now and been millions and millions of lawsuits, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact is that we, that's, that was the mindset that we were around. We, we need to create painkillers to help people that are, because historically painkillers are horribly addictive Mm -hmm. so here we are we got to come up with something so that didn't work because it was all bs Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they come out with this new uh cure for addiction quote unquote cure Mm -hmm. for addiction that's 50 times Mm -hmm. more addictive Mm -hmm. than the actual drug they were taking or addicted Mm -hmm. to so i believe that that was purposely done to trap people on this drug so that they will be on it and pay their money every month for this drug for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. you know? But again, back, I'm going to come off that pedestal real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not against you if you're on it, but I am against these, do- these pill, these, uh, suboxone pushing doctors and mm-hmm. these clinics that are popping up everywhere. And yep. these, and these, uh, these treatment providers that are the MATs and, you know, basically all it is is you go in once a week and you get your, you get your suboxone and you see a therapist for 10 minutes and it's good, right? Mm-hmm. That's the assisted treatment part. Yep. Or you just show up and every morning get your methadone and they don't talk to you about the addictive side of it. They don't talk to you that you're going to be horribly addicted and you need to go to treatment to get mm-hmm. off of it anyway. Mm-hmm. They're, they, they're going to lie to you and say they're going to keep you on it for this long and they're going to wean you off. I've never a couple occasions out of thousands of people that I've talked to thousands of people that I talked to have they actually ever tapered off of this drug. The only people that I've seen, they don't do it. They don't want to do it. The only people that I have seen in my experience that got off of it had a plan when they started it. The and majority, they stuck to the plan. The majority of these places say that they'll have that plan. No, 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 no. It's know, not the don't. place, the person. You right. can't you can't let someone else build a plan for you. Right, right. You can do a basic amount of research if you have any sort of phone that doesn't flip, even some that do. But and it will tell you how it works and what a decent plan is. But the, the whole point of recovery mm-hmm. is what what suboxone and methadone will hinder you from doing is creating that community of people in recovery. Mm-hmm. It will hinder you and think that you don't need any of that stuff. You don't need to surrender. You don't need to work a 12-step program. You don't need to, you know, do any of the step work, the, the amends, the, you know, the taking inventory, the righting your wrongs, the humbling yourself, to reading, to, to understanding recovery and creating your community and seeking the people in recovery out. It will hinder you from doing, thinking that you need to do any of that. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we are not, we're basically just putting a Band-Aid on cancer, mm-hmm. right? It, we we got to get down to the root causes and effects of this, of why we do the things that we do, why we continue. Knowing the outcome, we know we're going to end up in jail. We know we're going to screw up our relationship. We know we're going to, you know, we miss three days of work and we're going to lose our jobs. We know these things are happening. We just can't stop them, right? And to throw a drug, <laughs> to throw a medication from our wonderful government 
and trust them and say, this is what's going to cure you. Just take this medicine every day and you'll be good. It's like I said, putting Band-Aid on cancer. Mm -hmm. We got to get, if you, we talk all the time about, you know, becoming, changing our behaviors, different mindsets, different perspectives and changing your life, changing your world, changing the way that you think. These are the things that you do in recovery when you work a program. These are for you, for me. These things are the foundation for everything I've ever done in my entire life. Absolutely. They are the foundations for my friendships, my, my careers, my relationships, my everything. Because I, the 12 steps have led me to changing the way that I perceive everything and everyone. You know, if I, if I, the person that I was nine years ago is a complete and totally different person than I, was, I am today. Absolutely. I'm different than I, I was last year. That's the whole point of what I'm doing right, right. now is to always be different. That's continuing bettering yourself. If I am the same person I was last year, I didn't grow at all. And here's the thing about Suboxone. The only thing that most people in Suboxone that are on it have changed is that they just don't do drugs no more. They haven't changed all the other parts. They don't pick up an illegal drug, baby, but Suboxone <laughs> is a drug. It is a drug. Right. Here's the, here's That's what what I, I here's the common denominator that I see. They are still attaching their problem to a drug, and that's not the problem. We all know this. Your problem is not the drug. Your problem is the reason you are taking the drug, and that is what needs to be addressed. Now, from someone who realized that I had tortured my family, that I had tortured my friends, that I had held everybody hostage, that I had done all these things, I felt like I needed to overcome first my ability to feel like I needed something. Mm -hmm. So I decided, after a lot of research, alcohol is a little bit different because it can be deadly if you don't do a medical form of detox and you're monitored because that one can force or kill you. Yes. We all know this. Xanax as well. Yeah. Xanax as well. Yeah. Right? Heroin is, you want to die. <laughs> you feel like you're going to <laughs> die. You definitely want to die, and yeah. you feel like you're going to die. However, when I got past, like, the chills and the cramps and the 50, 60, 70 days of not feeling ill, right? when that day came that I, f- like, woke up and felt normal, I felt high. Like a genuine high, like the first high I got when I was 12 years old. I felt like I had just conquered the world. You did. And when I realized that had just happened, all these other things that I was afraid of because I battled demons that don't exist, like fell off the planet. There you go. And I started saying, I almost embraced bad days more than good days because when it was a bad day, I was like, I can handle this one. Let's go. You know, like I was amped up. I need those days yeah. to remind me of how strong I am, yeah. to remind me of what I'm capable of. And once that became my new life, I've been unstoppable ever since then. Yeah. From $9 an hour to a figure I'm not going to give you guys, but it's definitely not that, <laughs> to driving a car that I had to borrow money from, to driving a Porsche. I'm not saying that to flex. I'm saying that because I went on a mission and nothing was going to stop me. But it started with the mission of I'm getting off of this drug first. You got to. Soon as I got off of that and became comfortable with my uncomfortable, yeah, literally the whole entire world opened up. Well, that's the that's the thing about us addicts and alcoholics. Like when we we have been beat down, and that don't get me, and we have like we've been beat. We, we beat ourselves down. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, right. But the world, in our eyes, has beat us down for mm-hmm. so many years, and mm-hmm. we've just been beat. To, I mean, to the point of 
you know, homicidal or suicidal or whatever. Like we're 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 just done. And then when, if we can come out of that situation, whatever that takes, if we can come out of that situation and start to feel better, we we are we have something inept in us that we have something to prove now. We have something to prove to ourselves. And a lot of don't get me wrong. Strong motivator for me was I want to prove to everybody that what I can do. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. No. I, I wanted to, you know, I had been that way for 20, I've been that way my whole life, mm-hmm. right? Honest to God, my whole life until I was 35 years of age. Yep. In and out of jails and hospitals and homelessness and sleeping outside and, you know, prisons and, you know, you name it, right? Just horrible. Um, I had something to, I had a chip on my shoulder for once. It was a chip on my shoulder that wasn't a victim chip because I had the victim mindset my whole life. If you grew up the way I did. You know, if you lived in this thing, you know, I could go on and on about my victim mentality. But I had a chip on my shoulder this time. It's like I'm going to prove to the world, to myself, that I can become something. Mm -hmm. You know, I can help people. I have this inept ability in me, this this something inside of me that when I when I talk to another addict or alcoholic, I can get on that level with them. Mm -hmm. And they 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 feel safe on that level with me. Right. So I found something that I was good at and I learned how to focus on that. Right. And I learned how, you know, through years of uh, messing up and making mistakes and realizing that I need to work on me sometimes. Like I've had, I've had to take many steps back and say, okay, I'm done helping. I'm just going to focus on these, these issues that keep popping up, Mm -hmm. character defects that keep popping up. You know, that's my, that's my life. I'm a, I'm a, (laughs) all my problems can revolve around step six and seven, right? Character defects and shortcomings. I'm a master of those things. With me, it's been different lately though. Cause like you, you said something and I believe it's out of habit more than reality. And I, and I could be wrong, but I don't feel bad for anybody because my feeling bad doesn't serve you. No. If I feel bad and it makes you feel better, then you're feeling better off of my sacrifice. Right. That doesn't make any sense to me. We've every single person on this planet. I don't care if you see these trust fund babies. You think they live this great life. They don't feel loved. They're dealing with a different kind of trauma. They're dealing with the, the, no dad because dad's always gone or no mom. You know what I mean? Like it's a different level of trauma. Everybody has it. Everybody has it. So yeah. I don't feel bad for what you went through. Right. I'm going to celebrate what you're willing to do to get out of it. I'm going to support you and be there because as long as you were on my level, then we're good. If not, I'm just going to leave you in the dust. Well, I think there comes a time. And anybody who's working on self, mm-hmm. they come to the point in their life of acceptance, yeah. right? Not a, and, and we, we come to acceptance, okay, that happened, mm-hmm. that sucked, or, you know, okay, that happened, it is what it is. But you also get to another point where it's acceptance times I'm incredibly grateful that that happened. I have empathy when someone is lost, and I have empathy where I won't shove it in their face, but I don't feel bad for them. I'm not going to either. No, I'll get down and I'll get down in that hole with you, and I'll I'll let you relate to yeah. me because I've been there too. Yeah. But it, you know, I'm going to talk about your problems about one time, and then we're going to talk about solutions. I will only crawl in that hole if you have a plan for how we're getting out. <laughs> I, I just built a ladder, bro. You know that's what. But I mean, seriously, like if and you, a ladder is the twelve steps. If you are struggling to find that, I will get in that hole with you because I've already I already have my plan. So I'm either I'm getting out without you. Or we're, we're getting out together. together. Yeah. That's how that works for me. Well, is yeah. I will come down there and we will get curious together where we can create a different whole 
perspective of life and and all the things you might be missing by seeing it through another person's eyes. I am willing Everything. to do that. But if you want me to come in that hole and cry with you, then cry yourself a pond, stick your head in it, and drown. Because I don't have time. I'm with you, man. I'm sorry. And that and that's why I say that a lot. Like, You're dying anyway. So, so many of us addicts and alcoholics and people in toxic relationships and just people in general nowadays uh, love to talk about the problems way too much. I'm, I'm, I like to call myself a solution-based thinker. I, I don't know. I have this thing about me where I can, I can, prob- I can see my way. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's harder for me to see my way out of things versus looking at somebody else through a different set of lenses and seeing how they can get out of it. Like, I'm great at that. That's like, what I, your board members are for, right? Like, <laughs> you know, I have a team of board members. Right. I have a team of sponsors. You know, whatever you want to call them, right? And that all, that's what they're for. That all boils down to yep. what I said community. at the beginning. Community. community you yep. can't do this by yourself and you don't have to those of us who think they can get through this life by themselves whether it be in recovery whether it be in uh, pr- their profession mm-hmm. whether it be in their relationship mm-hmm. are fools mm-hmm. you know first off you can't and you shouldn't want to right because you need other people's perspective you need other people's point of views in every situation there's all man i've been wrong so wrong and so much knew that i was right until i looked at it through somebody else's eyes you know, I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think about that. Yeah, but you got to be willing. Humble. Like, willingness. You've got to be willing to see another version that is coming from a place of compassion. Yeah. We all throw our hands up because we think someone's coming at us when they're trying to give us a hug. But you saw their hands go up. So your hands come up. And now you're getting ready to hit someone that was trying to give you a hug. Right. Because you just didn't stop for a second and get out of the negative and think, wow, someone wants to embrace me. 